The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode six, where we chat with Tristan. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right. Hey there, Tristan. Hi. So who are you? Uh, I am Tristan Klein. I've been poly for about eight years now. Um, I am generally a cis white male, um, straight, although recently I've been dabbling more in heteroflexibility, bisexuality. Uh, That's a pretty new thing for me. So I'm not kind of, I guess I'm not comfortable identifying as that yet, um, but it's something that I've been getting interested in and thinking about a lot more. Um, yeah, I think that covers my identity. Do you have a poly identity? Uh, it's like... Yeah. Um, I don't know, a certain kind of poly that you uh, Oh, right. Uh, yes. Uh, so I prescribe to solo polyamory now. Uh, that's also a new-ish thing for me. Um, I was in a hierarchical poly relationship for most of my my poly life, uh, and that relationship ended uh, about uh, 
10 months ago now, it would be last February. Um, so coming up on the anniversary of that pretty soon. Um, so yeah, it's been an, it's been an interesting change and it's definitely redefining my personality and my, my polyness a little bit. So what does polyamory mean to you? Hmm. Uh, whew. that means so many things, right? Uh, I mean, I, I think that for me, what I get out of polyamory, what, what, what it means for me is being able to express different facets of my personality through different people. Uh, one of the things I realized pretty quickly was that I've had a really unusual upbringing. I have a lot of different interests and expecting one person to fulfill all of those things for me is kind of unrealistic um, for me and, and for that's putting a lot of pressure on them. Um, and, and being able to, uh, to express that with different people brings out new things in my personality uh, with each new partner, that I, and that's something I really enjoy. It sounds like there's some stories there. Do you want to elaborate <laughs> on any of that? <laughs> uh, sure. Well, okay, so um, I guess one of, th one of the things that uh, I recently talked about when I was in introducing myself, um, uh, I never had a lot of pets growing up. My parents didn't allow us to have a dog or a cat. Um, and so now I have a tendency to date people who have pets. And uh, that's that's been really great for me uh, because now I get to be a rad uncle to their pets and it works out <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't have to take have them myself. I can just enjoy having theirs and they seem to really like that. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, was there anything in particular that drew you to polyamory or like in the beginnings, the origin story? Yeah, um, so I knew that something needed to change um, when, so my, my, my ex and I, uh, when we started dating, I had already um, applied to study abroad in Japan um, and I was in the process of it. I'd been accepted to the program and, uh, and so I was like, Hey, you know, you're really great, but uh, I'm leaving. <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to make this work, uh, but I, I, I will be back. <laughs> So we originally said, okay, well, it'll be an open relationship, right? And we, sure, right, yeah, that, that works. That's a thing, right? You've heard of that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we, we did that. Uh, I, we dated for about six months, and then I went to Japan for four months and didn't really test that all that much. You know, I, I made out with some people, but wasn't really pushing the limits too much. Uh, and then got back from Japan, and she and I dated over that summer and we're like back together, you know? Uh, and, but by that point, she was applying to study abroad. So the first two years of our relationship, we spent almost half of it apart in other countries. And that was great. <laughs> you know, it's a, distance makes the heart grow fonder kind of a thing, right? Um, but uh, I think that it also kept us from, um, it, it allowed us to have our distance. And, and then when we didn't have that anymore, we had to kind of address that. And so at some point in there, um, I think it was probably right around, right before she left to go to India, uh, I had a girl in one of my classes who was being pretty, uh, she was she 
making very clear that she was interested in me. And so I spent most of that semester going, I don't know what to do about this. Like, she's really attractive, um, but you know, we're, we're used to this monogamous thing. We say that this is an open relationship. How serious about that are we? Because <laughs> I can only hold this off for so long. Um, and, uh, and it was a, a rocky start as I feel like a lot of people's early poly is, you know, she and I came with a whole list of rules, which eventually we got rid of most of those and broke a lot of them at the beginning. Um, and I mean, that was, that was definitely how that first poly relationship or secondary relationship went for me. It was like, we said that we were going to do this and we, I thought that I got all the clearance and that I had done everything right. And the first time that I spent the night over at this, this new person's house, I came home the next day and told about it and she was pretty upset. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, we worked through that and I think we were fairly successfully poly for, for eight years. And that, that first secondary relationship that only lasted uh, about two years um, mm -hmm. and, and also fell apart in a, somewhat spectacular way <laughs> I think I remember you guys working through some of that in the group uh, I mean that's totally know, why like, we started coming to the group yeah, yeah. it was you know we like right yeah, yeah. almost 10 years ago we we were talking about it we were thinking about it um, we were having to really question what our relationship meant to us and how serious we wanted to be now that we were in the same country for a long period of time and there's kind of a point I remember where I was like you know I don't want to break up with you because I love you, but I want to experience other things and other people. And you don't you don't satisfy everything about me. Um, and I don't know how we deal with that. And she was like, "Oh well, have you heard about this this polyamory thing? <laughs> I I we I have some friends that are, that do it. Uh, maybe we should talk to them about it." And they were like, "Yeah, you know." The rules are good. You're gonna break all of them, gonna, <laughs> yeah. and uh, eventually you won't have that list. But you can start with that, and you should probably go check out that uh, this poly uh, discussion group. That'll that'll be helpful for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, even back then in our like baby days, I don't think that we had a lot of um, advice to give because we were also new, right? Which was interesting. So it was a lot of. Uh, like, what is the, the saying, saying of, like, babies leading babies? Or the something? blind leading the blind. <laughs> the blind leading the blind. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, I don't know if it was even a successful... It was a successful discussion group in the beginning, but I don't know that it, a lot of people got probably the good advice that I hope they're getting now. Because I feel like I have had, you know, 10 years of experience of talking to people about it and living poly life uh, that I can give people a little bit more guidance now. But back then I was like... I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. I was just like, you know, like even people who are like, we're engaged now. And I'm like, why would you be married? You're poly. And I was, I like totally have a different mindset on everything now. And so, yeah, I, oh, man. But so, I can't even imagine. Yeah. That, that just happened to me this week. Um, one of my partners, uh, her and her primary just got engaged yes. on their trip that they're on. Yes. And that was, uh, it's the second relationship I've been in now that they got got engaged or got married while we were dating. Interesting. And it's it's weird. That is weird. Because it you know as much as I tried to logic the feelings, it definitely brought up some conflicted feelings about that. And sure. and she, you know we were doing this all via text because 
she was on vacation with mm-hmm. Mary. Oh, and so she even was, more weird. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, so there was a mo- part of me that was like, can we just talk about this when you get back? <laughs> right. <laughs> but then I was yeah. also like, no, okay, I get it. We have to talk about this a little bit, like, right now. Oh. And so, yeah, so she, and she, she messaged me this and was like, hey, uh, Ian just proposed to me. And I was like, oh, figures. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm and, the good luck charm. <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah, right. No kidding. And, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And she's like, you seem a little quiet. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I'm not doing as good a job of hiding this as I thought I was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's, it's I mean, good. it's such an ingrained cultural thing, getting engaged, getting married, like all of the sort of scripts of how relationships are supposed to go right. are so emotionally laden. You can't escape them completely in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so sorting through the emotional impact of that in the context of a poly relationship is no matter what, it's going to take something. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of my response to her. She was like, you know, I don't want anything to change. And I was like, I knew you'd say that. Right. And I appreciate that. But understand that this is bringing up a lot of emotions for me that I don't fully understand right now. Um, and some of them, yeah, have to do with this relationship. And some of them are just me examining my own life and what I want since I'm not going through this. I'm not mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a hierarchical relationship with somebody that I'm considering getting married to eventually. So it's mm-hmm. making me question where I'm going with my life. <laughs> right. sure. Since that is the traditional monogamous escalator. The escalator, yeah. The whole escalator thing. And if you're on a different escalator with a person who's on an escalator with their partner, they're not going to be the same. Like, you you can't get married to that person, right. you know? Like, you're probably yeah. not going to have a house and kids with that person. So right. if and you so want an escalator, I had to, like, you're check myself and be like, wait, that was never the deal. Right. Like, <laughs> even if I wanted, like, I don't actually want that mm-hmm. with you. Why am I feeling so weird about this? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. But normal, too. Right. Like, mm-hmm. just one of those <laughs> things we have to examine, I think, in a way that... Monogamous couples don't experience examining. Like, yeah, when right. you have that conversation, then that is clearly the sign of the end of the relationship. There's so many things about polyamory that there isn't a script for, and that we have to deal with having with encountering things that there is a script for, and then breaking that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you've touched on this a little bit, but when did you know that you were poly? Yeah. Um, so. I think that I knew I was poly when I had that conversation. I was like, I don't want to break up with you, but I want to do other things. I want to try other things. I want to experience other people. But I didn't know what that was called. And then she was like, have you heard about polyamory? And I was like, no, what is this? What are you talking about? Other people do that? I'm not weird. (laughs) I'm not weird? I thought that people just, you know, lied about it and cheated on each other because that's what most most of our culture that's what we have for examples <laughs> what year about was that like 2008 or 9 uh probably 2009 or 2010 right i'm just trying to figure out when it may have become cuz i feel like it's a little bit polyamory the word is a little bit more of a common right? commonly known when did thing it start at least to especially come into around culture? Like millennial age group mm-hmm. um but yeah even in 2010 it was real new and i feel like it was pretty new right well and i think a lot of the language should describe ethical non-monogamy has evolved, you know, a lot. it's obviously existed for generations, yeah. but, you know, it swinging means something different now where it might have been a more 
um, umbrella term a generation ago. Right, yes. that's a great point, yeah. putting an umbrella term, because now we ha it's sort of fractured into this, oh, so what are you? <sighs> oh, well, I, I'm a uh, cis male, solo polyamorous, versus before it would have been just like, oh yeah, m my we're swingers. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, but and <laughs> mm -hmm. right, exactly, and then people hear that. However, they hear that, which might and or might not reflect that. your reality. Yes, Absolutely. that's the the what I always like to say in dating profiles is like, okay, I'm polyamorous. If you don't know what that means, I'd much rather we have a conversation about it. So I give you a good impression, than you go have or you look it up and have your own reaction that may or may right. not be accurate yeah. well and even if you do think you know what it means probably having a conversation about what it means to, to me, me is, right. is yeah. very important that's and a very good point I've had somebody who was interested in the poly group as recent as like probably five years ago who right off the bat assumed it was polygamy and that it was like some kind of religious based and like cultish community and and they were afraid because they had grown up in or around a community like that that was abusive in nature that, they, that that's what I was doing and so they had like 20 questions about all of this and I was like oh no no you have a very different understanding of what's going on here let me enlighten you and then they became members of the group and the community and uh, and it was kind of interesting dynamic but but yeah right off the bat they they thought we were like some weird sex cult well, that makes sense because I, like, oh. I mean if you think about historically that is the, some of the oldest documentation of anything resembling polyamory that we have fair yes and, and certainly in pop culture it's also <clears throat> a big you know there's television shows i mean yes. oh my god uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's the biggest uh i guess media we get is like sister wives right which isn't ours it's not us yeah. you know no. so it has nothing to do with us yeah right <laughs> so when do you feel like you felt different from other people um I mean, I've always felt different from other people, but that's because I had a really unusual childhood upbringing. Um, I'm going to try to make this the short version <laughs> as best sure. I can. Uh, my This is polyamory uncensored, so you don't have <laughs> you don't to. Have to. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't want to fill up 30 minutes mm. of time just talking about my own history. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> Especially my history before polyamory. That's really not what we're here for. Um, I, my dad was into boats and uh so i my parents are both from wisconsin but they had me um when they were living on the east coast um they were part of cruising culture which basically is, means people who live on boats um, that is their they don't own a house they just live on boats and tend to travel around to different communities um, there's different sort of like hot spots where these people tend to gather um so um from my the first seven years of my life my dad was designing and building a 36 foot sailboat in our backyard which that's pretty weird for yeah. most people to start with and then the next seven years of my life i lived on that sailboat with my parents and was homeschooled for a lot of it um so i was always the weird kid yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that and so i mean about half of the time i was homeschooled and half the time i went to public school basically anytime that they, we would stop my parents would get jobs and save up money to go cruising again I would go to public school, mm -hmm. but my mom had a education degree, so right. So she had some background in teaching. She knew how to negotiate the the system to be able to get me legally schooled, right? Even though yeah. doing it herself, right? Um, 
So anytime I was at a public school, though, I was definitely the weird kid. Yeah. That I also didn't have TV on the boat, mm-hmm. which sure. 90s baby didn't know any of the television references. Yeah. Right, uh, so you were I was, culturally I was illiterate. Cul- a little yes, bit. that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I didn't know any of what happened on The Simpsons last week or any of that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, which, when you're in middle school, that's uh, that's kind of pivotal. It's a big deal, yeah. It's a big deal, yeah. So, in that regard, I was always the weird kid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I when I really knew that that made a difference in my dating life. Um, because once I got to high school, so after, uh, for eighth grade through high school, I was back in Wisconsin. My parents brought me back to Wisconsin with them. They wanted to be closer to family. Um, and so I went to eighth grade and high school in a traditional high school setting. Um, and I had, you know, all the traditional high school experiences. I had sex when I was in high school and got drunk and did drugs and all those things, all in that time period. And mm-hmm went to parties and all those things. Um, but I also was, because I moved so much growing up, I was pretty good at making friends and just, and also good at kind of like letting those friendships be what they would. And, um, you know, I, I would always say, I will put as much effort into this as you do. So, like, if I was moving away and a friend would be like, oh, but I'm going to miss you, this is going to be terrible, like, we're, we're not going to be friends anymore. I'm like, no, we, we can still be friends, but I'm going to put as much into this, into reaching out to you, as you put back. Because I also yeah. knew that a lot of times I would move away and people would just break off connection because, you know, I wasn't... Right, you know, out of sight, out, out of, of sight, mind. Out of mind, exactly. Mm-hmm. No matter how much they think that they love you and will miss you forever as soon as you're not there every day it's a little bit different story mm-hmm. um so that being said in high school then i was a little bit of a social butterfly but i also wasn't like i wasn't part of the popular crowd but i knew all those kids mm-hmm. and and would hang out with them but like i didn't get invited to like their exclusive parties right, right. um and i did like every extracurricular i could i did you know track and cross country and uh, academic decathlon and the high school play and all those things. Um, so I knew a lot of, I knew people in a lot of different aspects of the high school because of that. Um, but I, I hung out with the nerds and the, the, the weird kids because mm-hmm. I was weird. Oh, <laughs> they accepted me. I think we can relate. Yeah. <laughs> and how often is that a story with poly people? I right. feel like the, especially like nerds, Ren Fairfax. I was just gonna say Ren Fair like, people, especially um, in this area. Computer, I didn't know that was I mean, a thing. <laughs> I don't know how many uh, people in the poly group are like in IT, but that's oh just God. like a, the go-to. Like, oh, what do you do? Yeah, it's, yes. I'm it's in it, IT. Right. Yeah. Cool. And I play board games for yeah. fun. Yes. <laughs> and, or my wife, and my wife knits, and yes. so We're all and, um, yeah. makes costumes. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so at poly. Because I don't do any of those things. Nice. You don't even fit in with the poly people. Oh man. Um, so where would you say you are in your poly journey and kind of related to that maybe where do you, is there somewhere you want to go that's a, uh, a very poignant and difficult question for me mm-hmm. at this moment um, because it's very much in transition right now so I I was with my ex for 10 years of that 10 years about 8 of them uh, we were polyamorous and I would say hierarchically polyamorous. Um, We lived together for 
majority of it. Uh, and we, for the past five years, uh, we owned a business together. Um, so that definitely made that the primary relationship because not only was she my romantic partner, she was also my business partner. And the business always had to come first um, above all other relationships. Um, and that changed after February and has been uh, in the process of getting untangled from that. Um, so we broke up in February, but we still own the business together and basically took the rest of this year um, slowly getting se getting separated out of the business. So uh, in October, so I, I continued to work with her all summer. Uh, it, it was a bicycle shop. Um, so it's a very seasonal business. So okay, continue to work through the summer and, and try to carry the business through the busy season as much as possible. But, you know, in the meantime, we um, she moved out. I uh, got new roommates. We started sorting out our personal belongings and items and separating our friend groups. Oh, <laughs> no. Not, yeah. not intentionally, but, you know, that just It does happen. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, some of our friends just totally didn't get it were like, how are you still communicating with your exes? Like, oh. Because we fucking we work together. To, yeah. We have to. <laughs> have yeah. to. This is just part of the deal. Um, and we're trying to make it as amicable as possible. Um, and then, and some of them were also very understanding and tried to be very sherry about that and be like, you know, oh, I, you know, like, we'll make time to hang out with you and then we'll make time to hang out with you and we'll... But there's always that, like, do we not invite both of them to the party? I don't yeah. know. Right. <laughs> it is, it's okay awkward. Do we yeah. invite them and their other partners? Does that make it more weird or less weird? Um, so it's been a transition. Uh, in October, I officially gave up my shares in the business, and so I became no longer an owner in it. Um, by November, or, yeah, by late November, I got a new job and started a new career. Um, and so I've been moving into uh, the trades. I'm an electrician's assistant right now. Um, and so continuing to sort of separate myself out of the professor, the, yeah, the, the relationship that I have with my ex. That being said, um, she is changing the bike shop to a contractor based model instead of having employees. So I'm still involved with it, but not as an owner. And I am not, not exactly her employee either. Um, I essentially am like a consultant nice. <laughs> is the best way I would like to think of it. So it seems like there's a little bit more distance, a little bit more freedom than exactly. And that's kind of what we've been working through is like, okay, like how much is a comfortable level level of separation, but how much do you still want to be involved? Um, like this is my baby too. Right. Um, right. And that's hard to, to give up. Um, and, and bicycles were my life for mm -hmm pretty much my entire adult life until this point so it was a change of relationship status a change of career a change of identity um, it's been that's it's a, been a lot. lot of change this year yeah. um, and so that was that's been part of trying that that uh, de-escalation of the relationship is kind of trying to figure out um, how much do I still want to be involved in the business that now that I'm not an owner in it but I still love what it's about and how much am I okay with her still being in my life and in what capacity? Yeah. I think that's the, that's the a lot. end of my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have like long-term goals for um, 
your poly journey. <laughs> oh, great, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and I guess I didn't explain that. That has also trans transitioned me into this solo polyamory sphere. Um, so I kind of, after we broke up, you know, I we had been polyamorous. I had two other secondary partners, quote-unquote, who um, I was not their only partner either. They both had a live-in primary partner. So now... I no longer had that, but they still do, mm -hmm. and so I. So that I mean, alters the dynamics of those yeah, relationships. Yeah, right, and that was a real tricky. Um, now both those relationships have gone through a transitional period this year as well, trying to adjust to that that change for me, because um, of course the first thing I wanted to do, and I knew this, and I knew I was doing it, and I was trying really hard to avoid it was to fill the void of not having that primary relationship anymore with my other relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that didn't go very well. Right. <laughs> um, as I expected, it wouldn't. Uh, and I, no matter what I did to try and mitigate that, it still was messy and difficult. And I, I, it was pretty hard to keep from, from trying to do that. Um, so I get, you know, ended the primary relationship and kind of was left with solo polyamory because I no longer had a primary relationship. I had these two other relationships that I could not be their primary. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, well, what am I now? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I'm not sure. <laughs> right, so that's a work in progress? That's a work in progress. Yep. It's been, I, I am happy to say I feel like I'm in the upswing now. Has oh, been, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like I was looking back, you know, with as you do with a new year, um, and thinking about that, and I was like, okay, so yeah, the low point was like June, and then, and then basically right around River West twenty four. So that late July period was when there was a noticeable upswing, and things started to get better. And I was going to therapy, and one of the partners, the secondary partners, she and I had. had gone through a rough breakup in reaction to me putting extra pressure on that relationship. Mm -hmm. We got back together at the end of July and that's been wonderful. Um, but I also kind of redefined those relationships from the solo polyamory perspective now mm -hmm. um, because things are different for me. And, and is that a place where you think you want to be or? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, at first I, I had this real strong urge to try and fill that primary slot with a new relationship and um, and it took a little while to come around to the idea of like, no wait, I need to rediscover who I am first. Um, I need some more me time. Uh, maybe I should stick to this, this solo train for a while and really embrace it and see where this goes. Um, and so far I'm really liking it and I'm kind of to the point now where I'm like, nope, no, I'm good with just me. In <laughs> fact, um, no, I don't have time for you. And I don't have time for more. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not because I, it's not because I have too many relationships. It's because I want more me time and that's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I actually have been telling people that my New Year's resolution for 2019 is, uh, it's the year of the no. I'm going to start saying no to people more often and no <laughs> to like dates that I don't want to go on. Why do I go on dates I don't want to go on? I don't know, but... I do, a lot. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think that's it's, a, it's a really time. easy trap to fall into um, in polyamory. It's yeah. like, it's really hard to not take attention from somebody, especially mm -hmm. somebody that you find really, um, that you respect, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, if if, if some, you, there's somebody that you really respect, but you're not necessarily attracted to, if they're attracted to you, it's really hard to be like, 
Yeah. Look, you know, I just don't feel that same way, but I really like who you are. Right, right. I just don't want to do that with you. Mm -hmm, And that can be really damaging if you don't go about it very carefully. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and as like the leader of the poly community, I also feel weird about going on any dates with people in the group because it's, it feels almost like that, that, uh, is there a Patient, power imbalance? client kind of thing yeah, also where yeah. like or yeah power imbalance well especially because you know everybody in the community know and you know everybody's yeah. situation and stuff like and then yeah. like somebody new comes into the group right and there's that one on one side it's like ooh, somebody new great mm-hmm. there's new blood and maybe this you know this is a <laughs> uh personality i haven't experienced yet and then it's like ooh, but am i the one who's like breaking in all the newbies that's not i was talking to someone who's a um like a poly coach and out of uh san francisco and i was like i i love what you're doing i think it's really great actually uh dr liz powell i don't know if you know her but mm. she has her own like youtube show and she's just written a book uh, about polyamory and she just has all this insight and I was talking to her about how she got to that point because she actually does have a doctorate she she went to school for like marriage and family therapy and I was like that's a cool I, I, I like that track like maybe I would do that and she was like well I just, just want to let you know that if you do this you can no longer date in your community or your city because like, now it's oh, a violation right. of client privilege yes <laughs> it's like a legal thing right, yeah. right now I feel uncomfortable with it but it's not illegal and then I was like oh shit okay well I really don't like the options of only dating people in Chicago and Madison, so... <laughs> or I would only be able to work in other cities, the other right? Cities, yeah. Both of those seem like oh, bad options. Not yeah. great, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, maybe I should reconsider. Either, either you have to commute for your relationships or you have to commute for your job. Yeah. Or, like, be monogamous. <laughs> or be monogamous, <laughs> yeah. which really kind of defeats the whole totally purpose right there. All right, um, so the, our sort of wrap-up question to this section is uh, kind of why are you Polly, and maybe also why did you agree to be interviewed? Mm, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, as we've said, that often the why gets in, uh, answered in the process, and I, I would say the why is that because I feel like being polyamorous expresses other sides of my personality with each new person, um, and also... Um, this is something that I hadn't really thought of until one of my metamors brought it up, um, talking about why he's okay with with, with sharing his partner. So he said, not that every new relationship that his partner go, embarks on, she brings back new things to their relationship from that relationship. And I was like, oh, that's really great. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, new experiences for everyone, which is great. Mm-hmm. And with every new experience, you grow as a person and mm-hmm. potentially change for the better, maybe worse, but, you know, sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I do like that. It changes the dynamic, hopefully, in a positive way with every person or every experience you have. Yeah, good. So that was the why. I'm sorry, what was the other half? Uh, why did you agree to be interviewed? Oh, right, yes. Um, because I wanted to hear myself on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but also I think because I realized that I had, I've been going through a lot of changes and I wanted an opportunity to talk about that in a structured atmosphere where I would be asked questions, where I would get to sort of a primer to talk about that. Um, and also because I've, I've have had some fairly unique experiences, both my, my upbringing, um, my transition to solo polyamory and, and how that's come about and the way that I'm 
I'm dealing with de-escalating my relationship with my business partner that was my romantic partner um, and how I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep that as amicable as possible and keep them in my life still. You know, I think for most people um, that usually comes about when you have kids and you get divorced. That's the, the most mm -hmm. normal sort of trope right. for de-escalation of a relationship that we're familiar with. Um, but I think that it's a really bad one in a lot of cases. I mean, we talked about television shows, and, and that's usually our sort of our example for a lot of things. And most television shows have a terrible example of how that goes. You know, it's usually knockout, drag out fight, and this long, drawn out process, and a whole bunch of hurt and worry and arguing over the kids and ruins their relationships and all kinds of things, right? And it doesn't have to be like that. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. And also, there are plenty of other types of relationships that you may have to de-escalate in your life. Yeah. Um, in polyamory, uh, although not exclusively in polyamory, but I think this probably happens more often being polyamorous, it's the, oh, we used to sleep together and now we don't. How does that make us feel? Mm -hmm. Are we still friends? How do we interact with each other in social spheres? Are we okay with dating each other's partners if we're no longer together? Um, it's something that you're gonna have to deal with. Um, Especially with such a like tight-knit community that we have in the poly uh, group. I mean, we have, what, like 310 members, but when it comes to the core group, it's, it's under 50, I would say, that are like mm -hmm. always there. And when there's a breakup, it can be really awkward because like some people just fall off the face of the earth. They're like, oh, I guess I'm no longer in this community. And some people try to make it work, and right. sometimes it's awkward. For sometimes in the middle of discussion group, <laughs> they kind of get into a weird thing that everyone has to sit through, and it's like mom and dad fighting at the right. kitchen table, yeah. and you're just like, okay, let's get through this. Yeah. We don't want to know. So if you're bringing up an example in discussion, everybody knows that yeah. the example you're bringing up everyone is about knows. the person that's across the room from you. Ten feet away from you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're rolling their eyes like, like, are you really? You're really going to bring this up now? Well, yeah, because... <laughs> All these people because yeah. this is the experience that we have to draw from yes. <laughs> so what you well, the way you framed it um reminded me of like the sort of like 70s and 80s like lesbian <laughs> feminist trope of like you know an army of ex-lovers cannot fail <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think i mean as much as that's Maybe sort they... of funny like it's also kind of inspiring yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it should be inspiring. We should all aspire to have great relationships with our exes and keep them in our lives if we choose to, mm -hmm. um, and and we, and try not to let that spoil other relationships with other people or with their new partners. You know, I, I've had this sort of this theory for a while that um, there's a really good chance that you're going to be friends with your metamorphs because we all have a type that we like mm -hmm. to date, right? And so there's a pretty good chance that if I am the type that my partner likes. There's a pretty good chance that mm -hmm. their other mm -hmm. partners are going to be that same type, and mm -hmm. we're going to get along. And and then I'll probably like their partners and want to date them too. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. that's how that yeah. goes. It's true. <laughs> very intertwined. And we're all very intertwined, and so we should all work to keep those. As those relationships ebb and flow, it's important to try and keep some perspective and actively work through the de-escalation of them. 
That seems like a really good um, transition to the topic that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, right. <laughs> which was de-escalation, de-escalation of relationships. of relationships, yeah. Um, I feel like we've kind of let you get at it sideways a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but do you want to kind of... Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess, you know, if we're going to like sort of approach this from a scientific perspective, you want to <laughs> state the argument, <laughs> bring up a bunch of bullet points about the argument. Well, and at least then... make people, you know, so people understand what you're yeah. talking about. So uh, what I, I guess uh, when I'm talking about de-escalating a relationship, it's um, we, we often talk about the relationship escalator in uh, monogamous relationships. And everybody, I think, is pretty familiar with that. That's, you know, it's expected that you're going to do this, and then you're going to do that, and then you're going to do this. So, you know, you start dating, and then uh, eventually you're going to talk about getting married, and then if you get married, you're going to talk about having kids, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe in the middle of there, you get a dog to practice having kids. <laughs> or, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you do your escalator, but they generally, for most monogamous people, there's a pretty clear one direction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Escalators only go up, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that's... Uh, that's a cultural construction. <laughs> it's it's something that we've been taught, but it's not. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, and I like to think about the the friends situation because, like I said, you know, I've been through. I'm, I've gotten really good at making friends because I've had to move a lot, and friendships are get de-escalated too. We just don't really think about it in the same way. There, I guarantee that everybody has a friend that they used to hang out with all the time in high school that now they don't. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a form of de-escalation too, mm-hmm. um, and. Every, every, they're all relationships. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be a romantic relationship to be something that you're de-escalating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in polyamory, obviously, we talk about, yeah, okay, so we're familiar with the traditional monogamous escalator. Um, but as you said before, you can't necessarily take all of those steps with every partner. Yeah, you it's can't just, be on two escalators at once. You can't be on yeah. two escalators at once, right. You know, for both, if for, uh, Metaphysical reasons, mm-hmm. but also legal, legal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't built the poly commune yet. No, <laughs> you can't the marry works, everyone. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And group marriages, you know, one day maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and even if you do, there's a pretty good chance that some of you are not always going to stay together the whole time. Right. <laughs> and you can definitely have kids with multiple people, but also that gets real complicated. Real messy. <laughs> yeah, real messy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, the business partner thing, too. I've talked to other, yeah. plenty of other business people. It's funny, when my ex and I start, started the business, we, we started going to, like, business functions and stuff and realized that we were the youngest people in the room sure. by, like, 20 years, <laughs> by a lot of times. Um, but then that also gave the opportunity to talk to other business owners, and you get the idea that there's, there's, there are specific people, like, it's a definitely, like, a... Uh, a personality type that the entrepreneur yeah. um, and then so in that process then when especially when you're the youngest people in the room talking with a bunch of other business owners you often find out that they had other businesses in the past and then you start talking they start talking about their past business partners and how they're what kind of terms are on with them um, and that's a really interesting perspective too to be like oh huh yeah. How did that end? Why did that end? Are you still talking to them? Mm-hmm. Was you this guys... a messy breakup or what? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you still have the kids? Do they... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how often is? I mean, a marriage contract is, is essentially also like forming an LLC, right? Like uh, so when, often. When my ex and I started our business, uh, we met with a lawyer, and uh, we said, uh, "So, is there any 
is there any benefit to us getting married for this? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> really? Uh, and we said, funny. really? Why? He said, in the eyes of the state, there is no difference between being married and being business partners. Yes. You file your taxes jointly. Yes. It's the same situation. The only difference is that when you get married, you say, till death do us part. When you form a business relationship, you draw paperwork for how to get out of it at the start. Nice. Which actually sounds like a really great idea for a relationship. I know, right? And we got out of that, we were like, wow, everybody should do that. My mom was a divorce lawyer for most of when I was growing up. And one of the things she always said was, if people had to learn how complicated it is to get out of the relationship, so many fewer people would get married. Right? Yeah. And I mean, I think that we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. I've been sort of thinking about this for a while that you mentioned how polyamory is sort of the, as a word is kind of a uh, within the past 10 years kind of an idea and so I was thinking about you know when I've, I've met other poly people or when I've talked to like when I talked to my parents about being poly um, I feel like there's sort of like these uh, generational stratas of how it was how how we've tried to refine this marriage process and so it was like you know uh, you know, people who are in their 60s got married um, to the first person that they ever had sex yeah, with yeah. and never did that again mm-hmm. and stayed together no matter how bad things were for the kids until or whatever died. until yeah. they died. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Uh, and then people that are in their 50s, um, they kind of did the same thing except that they cheated on them on each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that went really badly. <laughs> yes. And then people that were in their 40s uh, had serial uh, marriages. So, you know, got married and got divorced and got married again and got divorced Mm -hmm. because they were told that, you know, you love somebody, you get married to them. And so they kept trying to carry that out and it kept not going well. Mm -hmm. And they just kept doing it. (laughs) And then it wasn't until the people who are like in their 30s were like, what's this polyamory thing? I feel like there's a better way to do this. People are really fucking it up. Like, how do do we try? And everyone's trying to fix it, right? Everybody's trying to fix it. Every generation is trying to do something different. This is probably the way. So we might be fucking it up too, but at the same time... You're fucking it up in a new way. We're fucking it up. I I look at the people in their 20s and I'm like, and they're like, yeah, we just don't have relationships. We just hook up with people. (laughs) I'm like, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) And they're like, your whole... Get off my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, your whole multiple relationships thing? That sounds really hard. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, you're you're not wrong in that. Mm -hmm. It takes work. Mm -hmm. Google Calendar's really important. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. But I don't want three ex-husbands either. Either. So So we're trying to do it a different way. A little different, yeah. Yeah, I've actually, um, back to something we were talking about before when it came to, like, trying to navigate breakups, but before you've broken up, which is something I don't think anyone ever does. But um, I was, I think I was listening to it on a podcast where they were talking about you should have a conversation of how would you like to be broken up with? And I think it's Cunning Minx. I think Cunning Minx did say that, yes. (laughs) Um, And yes, maybe in relation to love languages, but also just, like, what... In a, in a scenario of being broken up with, what is the best way to be broken up with? And having that conversation with a partner. And I remember offering that up as, a, as, as a, an exercise to my discussion group and literally hearing gasp. Like, oh no. <laughs> like, it's no. a terrifying thing to contemplate. Yes. Like, yeah. as much as it sounds like a good idea in a certain way, I mean, the idea of the conversation is very intimidating. It's right. about as bad as having a conversation with a... Uh, 
for life pl- for you know end of life planning sure yeah <laughs> right, right. Would, what would I you like your funeral to be like yeah. oh my god <laughs> right i don't want to think about it yeah but it's something that you know it's it's a good thing because it, it is so much more messy if you don't have that conversation right? but in both instances mm-hmm. yes and, so and that definitely fun. helps with the uh if you are going to try and de-escalate it, if you're going to try and still be in each other's lives, I think that's a really, really valuable conversation to have. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, not to say that you have to stay in each other's lives after every relationship that you have. Maybe you don't need to do that. That's fine. Well, and it might look different ways in different relationships. It, that's what I was going to say is it, it, the way that you're in each other's lives may differ. Um, mm-hmm. But I think everybody can agree that being angry and hurt at the end of it nobody wants that right right <laughs> even yes. if even if you go your separate ways and are like you know what i'm sorry i'm probably not going to see you anymore and that's a, a choice that you both mutually make and you're comfortable with it that's still a big win by comparison to being angry at each other for years and not speaking and holding a grudge and not going to functions that you think the other one is going to be at and alienating your friends that you both had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really true. And then all your friends are like, I don't know how to deal with both of you, so I'm just not going to be friends with either of you anymore. Right, and sometimes those hurt feelings, like it just, you need to take a little time to be able to be in that space of having other people be comfortable around you both. Yeah. But we know. both kind of consciously chose not to go to events that both of us were invited to for a while right. to make it easier on our friends. Right. Because we knew that it was weird for them and they didn't know how to negotiate being around us. And it was, it was just easier for everybody, even though she and I were, yeah, you know, relationships were, the relationship was certainly strained. We were working through it. We had a plan. We were, right. we were figuring out how to separate our lives. Our friends had no idea what that plan was and yeah. were, yeah. I mean, borderline freaking out about how they were going to still be in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really lucky, actually, that... Um, so the relationship I was in where we created the poly community, we, we started the group together. Please talk we about that. We were in that. for seven Since, years. You know, yes. I mean, when I started coming to the meetings, it was the three of you. Yes. When I came back to the meetings this year, it's... Just, just me, yeah. <laughs> yes, because it was myself and uh, my boyfriend and his wife. And they, uh, in the course of our relationship, got a divorce mm-hmm. and broke up. And then um, he, and I do feel lucky because of this, moved to a different state to go to, to college. So he went back to school uh, to get a law degree. And that was very, you know, kind of like took over his entire life. He kind of lost a lot of friends in the process. Maybe intentionally, maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah. The but experience of the first year of law school is intentionally designed to be completely overwhelming. To yeah. break you. Sure. From yeah. Fair. So, if it doesn't do that, you're, you're doing it wrong. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna make. Yeah. It. It's a horrible experience. Yeah. But it's. It and is we tried to do long distance for like a year and a half to two years, and then the relationship slowly dis- de-escalated, kind of evolved into something else, yeah. and then ended. And, um, and it was really easy to kind of make that mass Facebook post of being like, Hey, uh, you know, we're not going to be together anymore, but we're still in friendly terms. We're not breaking up any, uh, friendships in the process, but because he wasn't there, we, I never had to worry about, Oh, well, they might be at this party. They might be, I might have to come in contact with them. And I honestly don't know if it would have been a problem, but at the same time, 
I'm glad I didn't have to make that choice, oh, yeah, you know, no, because like he had already sure. kind of like taken himself out of every friend group, social situation and the, the poly group in general. Um, and started a new life in a different state and he's still there. I mean, yeah. this is now four years later or something like that. So, okay. um, so yeah, I do feel pretty lucky that I didn't have to go through that. And every other breakup, I feel like it didn't get to the point where my friends were their friends and their life was so enmeshed with mine. I mean, if I ever, heaven forbid, if I ever broke up with Rob, it would be all of our friends are all of our friends, literally. Right. So you, it's you are like, in that position now. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm definitely in that position now. Uh, but I could never, obviously I have a child with my husband. I could never see my life without him in some capacity. So I think, I feel like it would still be, we would all have to be like, well, we're working through this. We're going to be friends. All of our friends are all of our friends. And too bad. I don't know. Like, yeah. this Y'all can't have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's challenging. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I didn't go through it in a poly context, but I went through a divorce with children. And, yes. yeah. you know, it's, we definitely, my ex is not from here and I am. Okay. And, um, you know, she kind of got absorbed into my friend group during the course of the relationship. And I think for her, then trying to find new relationships with just just human relationships, friendships or people to do stuff with has been, you know, it was a challenge and a, mm-hmm. is still a work in progress. Um, and it's still something that, you know, I get annoyed with sometimes because, you know, suddenly one of my close friends will be like, oh, you know, so-and-so confided me in this, you know, th-. actually I had an experience with somebody that I was sort of dating who met my ex in like some totally random context, like somebody from the poly group who was oh. like, and, and my ex told them a lot of things that I just wouldn't have considered appropriate to be talking about with somebody you don't know that well <laughs> about, you know, like, so yeah, yeah. like, huh, really? They this, told you all about our though. child support situation. Oh, That's fascinating. Yeah. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> they got a few things wrong, but I don't feel comfortable talking about exactly. that to you. So. That's, um, well, uh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, for, uh, I was going to say, for, for me, um, when my ex moved out of the place that we were living in together, um, for a little while I thought about leaving the city because I was like, I need a break. I need a complete separation, um, especially because working, owning a retail-based business, your friends are your clients and your clients are your friends. Yes. And so it's, you know, that was already a really tough separation. And, and in a lot of ways... I've, I have turned my back on the bicycle community in a lot of ways um, and just stopped going to a lot of events because I know that even if she's not there, I'll be talking about it, mm-hmm. uh, whether I like it or not. And because we had such a public persona owning the business together, I never got to have that, um, that Facebook post to oh, be right. like, this is the way, the, you know, yes. when this oh. is ended, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, and we, oh, it was we just actually, quietly yeah, and, right. It was yeah, just a very secret, quiet yeah. separation of, of things. Cause we didn't want to, uh, alienate our customer base or disenfranchise them sure. by making a big announcement that I was no longer going to be part of the business because I didn't want her to lose half the clients yes. right. know? who might be good friends of yours and feel right. connected to you and, and feel, yeah. you know, that they need to decide with me right. on yeah. this. Even though it's on... still your business. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that 
you know, even if she and I are ending it on pretty good terms, that, like, I don't want them to stop going to her. And right. Feel, you know, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to, to feel like they have to, you know, have some kind of uh, false sense of allegiance to me. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, it, in the moment, there was definitely a part of me that was like, God damn it, why isn't everybody, why, why aren't there more people on my side? Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is a perfectly understandable emotional reaction. Right. So good on you for not having that be the driver. Yeah, right. <laughs> I also recognize that it was an emotional response and not a logical way to deal with it. Um, and I've actually had people um, talk to me about how it can be intimidating to even... Um, like think about going out with me as the leader of the group because if there's a bad breakup, which and granted, I always try to reassure, reassure people I don't have bad breakups, <laughs> but <laughs> but if there's a bad breakup, they don't they might not feel welcome in the community anymore. And oh I was like, yeah, that oh, makes no, sense. Of course, yeah, because yeah. like I can't leave. I'm not leaving. You the community kind of centers around you. It's my community. <laughs> yeah. So like so yeah, and there have been people that I've dated who have come into the community because I've dated them and they wanted to. Um, you know, be involved, and then after the breakup, they're like, oh, well, this is your thing. <laughs> it's not my thing, so I'm not going to be in it anymore. Even though they're totally welcome, but I'm like, you know, fair, I'm not leaving, so... I, I mean, I that's... had the same thing owning the bike shop yeah. and having... Be, being poly and being like, can I date my customers? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I can't. Yeah. I don't, that's not okay, um, yeah. because that's a great way to lose customers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but now you can date your former customers. Sure, I'm not sure I want to, but right. but I can make that abstract. choice now. Right. It's no longer got that kind of fraught quality. Correct. Yes. Now it is a choice I could make if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, sir, to, I, I didn't get to finish off with. So when my ex moved out, um, she thankfully moved to a different part of town for a while, and that was great for me because I kept the apartment and I stayed in River West. And so we had a lot of friends there and stuff. Um, and at first I was like, oh my God, I can't continue to live in this neighborhood because not only do like everybody knows us and knows us as a couple, but now I can't date in this community because everybody knows her. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so then her, it, you know, it wasn't even that far away, but it was far enough away that she wasn't in the neighborhood every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you didn't run into her walking around the block or right. around, you know, whatever. Yeah, and that that helped a lot. It really did. And it was only for for a little while. Now she's moved moving back to River West. It was only for what like 4 or 5 months, but you know, that's what I needed in the moment yeah. to have that that separation and kind of work through with the friend groups um, and ha- let let things cool down for a little bit. Is there anything more about um, de-escalating relationships, even as, like, advice you would give other people that you would like to talk about? Um, it's all about communication, you know? Um, you, you can only de-escalate a relationship if both of you agree to do it. Yes. Um, it can't be one-sided. That's just a breakup. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so that's, I would say that's the first piece of advice is uh, if... if First off, everybody should should try to do it this way, I think, because it's it's in your best interest to try and end things on good terms. But um, you can't make it happen. You can't muscle it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be on board with it, and that's going to take a lot of communication. Um, and, you know, she broke up with me. I was pretty hurt at first, but um, I realized pretty quickly through talking with her about 
how we were going to do this and why she was doing it that she was offering me an out from both the business and the relationship that I could not offer her. Um, I would have probably stayed in it until our lease on the building for the business ended, which would have been 2019 December, mm -hmm. um, and it would have continued to be a unhealthy, unhappy business and uh, romantic relationship that whole time. Right. Um, and she offered to take my shares and let me out of, of that business partnership contract, um, which I didn't want to take on a business, take on that business by myself without her, um, for a bunch of different reasons. But so I, I could not have given her that opportunity mm -hmm. to, and her breaking up with me, she was giving me an out that I could not have gotten, that I could not have given to her. Um, and that, that was the bridge for us to yeah. start talking about how to de-escalate it and in a, an amicable ma manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, my husband Rob likes to say it's only weird if you make it weird. Because I feel like there's a lot of ways to make a breakup or de-escalation weird. Oh and yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot harder to make to make it not, not weird. weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I do think that definitely work. takes intentional. Yeah, planning. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's definitely plenty of times that it was weird. Yeah, um, and there's no framework for this, really. Right. Once again, once again, there's once again there's no script. <laughs> yeah. Like so many things with Polly, there's no script for it in our our society. The script is, it's going to be messy. It's going to be hurtful and painful and bad, and and everybody's going to know about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're trying to make it as secret as possible, <laughs> as least messy as possible, right. and and as intentional a uh, um, and directed a separation as possible. Uh, and try to make it as least painful as possible. <laughs> it sounds like you were pretty successful in that. Yeah, for the most part. You know, I, I would say that we're getting kind of close to the end now. I'm mostly separated from the business, so it's uh, I w at this point I can say it was successful. Nice. Um, if you had asked me even two months ago, I probably would not have had as for sure an answer about that. Sure. <laughs> um, I guess that would be the last thing that I would say is everything takes a process um, and part of that intentionality is recognizing what the process is going to be breaking it down into small steps just like any goal you know you have a goal and you have smaller goals to you accomplish to get to that point um, to de-escalate well is going to take a similar process mm -hmm. where you sort of draw up that 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 plan for how you're going to get to this point where you where you're not feeling hurt anymore um, and what you want that to look like and you talk through it and you take steps to get to that point well thank you so much for coming and being <laughs> on the podcast yeah that's uh that's a lot of good stuff to think about i think so thank, thank you thank you I'm, I'm touched to have a time mm -hmm. to share <laughs> all right so that is it from us at polyamory uncensored we have been Lindsay miller and katie williams We'd like to thank my husband, Rob, for helping us through our many sound issues and thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com, and if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. 
we will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.